filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. So the thing I don't understand is who orders sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist? It's not a drink. It's it's not a drink, except here's the thing. Here's the thing. I made one. I have it in my hand right now. I feel bad for you and your children and your children's children. And I'm with an open mind. I'm going to take a sip of this. Right there are now, some, there are some things you shouldn't have an open mind about. This this obviously should be called the Andy McDowell. It's bad, <laughs> Adam. Adam, I, I I hope I can't really describe the face Adam made instinctively uh, before he even really started to wince. There was like an involuntary facial muscle pulse. Uh, <laughs> his his whole body was unhappy with this drink. That the is, Andy McDowell, as well, he should be. It's real. This is a uh, so what inspired me to make this is I decided to make. Um, a Manhattan tonight, uh, spoiler alert for what are you drinking? And I looked at the bottle of sweet vermouth I have that is um, Giuseppe Carpano Antica Formula sweet vermouth that says best on the rocks, well chilled on the back. So I said, you know what? Andy McDowell might not be crazy. Let me let me try this out. No, it turns out she's she's crazy or her character is is wrong on this thing anyway. Yeah, she might have been. She might be a reasonable person and has uh, chosen to go full method, and her character just happens to have an awful taste in drinks. Yeah. Anyway, that's it's not a. Don't drink this drink. Not the detail I would put into a character, by the way. It doesn't really enrich the movie at all for her to have no idea what to order when you go to a bar. And to all heard of that, (laughs) something you order in a bar, right? Yeah. That. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, still trying to get this syrupy medicinal taste out of my mouth. And they are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United and the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team and a lot more than that, actually. Tonight, we are focusing on DC United and the U.S. men's national team um, because that's what's happening right now. Uh, we're also going to answer your questions in another Twitter box segment to end the show. Before we do anything, though, Ben, what are you drinking? And please tell me it's better than Sweet Vermouth on the Rocks with a twist. I mean, to be fair, I'm kind of double fisting right now because I'm finishing the drink I had with dinner that does have vermouth in it, but not just vermouth with a twist because that's a silly and ridiculous drink. But the uh, main podcast drink I'm drinking, Adam, why are you making that face? Just stop drinking it. No, no, no. Just that stop was, drinking that it. That was me drinking my uh, my Manhattan and just being like, oh, God, that's better. That, that's not what that face. That was, uh, it, okay. that was a much okay. better, I promise. Okay. There's uh, but no what, involuntary muscle spasms happening in my face. Okay. Uh, but what I'm actually drinking is leftover from the uh, Super Bowl get-together that I went to. Uh, and so I got a growler from my local uh, growler purveyor, and it is Flying Dog's Caramel Sea Salt Brown Ale. 
Um, I was trying to find, I, I, I tasted a number of different options at my growler purveyor and um, I wanted something that my wife could enjoy and she does not enjoy IPAs at all. Uh, so those, all of those were off the books and Richmond has a ridiculous to the point of insanity obsession with IPAs. Like there are too many IPAs in Richmond. I like a good IPA, but there are too many in Richmond. So I needed something nice and malty and, um, bourbon barrel stouts weren't doing it for me. Not for, I love bourbon barrel stouts too, but not for a Super Bowl party. So I went with a caramel sea salt brown ale from the always reliable flying dog and it is excellent jason how you feeling about ben choosing maryland's own flying dog i mean that's good he should do that more often um (laughs) see uh, i don't hate maryland the same way that jason hates virginia this is just facts right but ben has not spent his whole life uh fighting this border war like i have I guess that's true. If if someone had a love for Kentucky or mayhaps Indiana, uh, then, then then there would be bigger problems. But luckily, I'm nobody just... on this podcast likes Indiana or Kentucky because Indiana I'm just is a, say bourbon, Indiana bourbon Indi- from Kentucky and uh, nothing most, from Indiana. Most all the rye made in America comes from Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Comes from one brewery you know, that we can I have move. right now is actually from Iowa, which is unusual. But that's not actually, what I'm drinking. Actually, the, the um, is it, I, I I'm mostly sure because I've read blog posts about this that most of the rye from Iowa is actually made in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and then it is uh, finished in Iowa. And and they they purposely try to make it seem like it was completely made in Iowa, but almost all of it is actually made in uh, the aforementioned Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Well, in any case, um, <laughs> Indiana try, sucks. Let's try and remember and where no, we came in at, which was um, and nobody from here should like Indiana. <laughs> I have never been to Indiana, so I have no, I have no I have. opinion either way. I've flown I've, over it. I've been to Indiana a lot of times. Uh, obviously, Adam has been to, Indiana, in, been to Indiana more than me. It's way more like Ohio than Ben is letting on. It, I mean, really I assume is. that all it of those really states are pretty, is. Uh, They're not. Some of them have mountains. Some of them don't. That's the difference. Some of them are colder than others. None of the Midwest has mountains. I'm talking about the entire flyover portion of the country. It's all the same. Some have not, mountains. Not at all. Some are colder. Some not are even not. a little bit. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I have a uh, a fly to country uh, beer. I, I don't have a beer. I have a... Um, uh, I went to, like Ben, I went to a Super Bowl thing, and there was leftover stuff um, that I was sent home with because someone brought mead, and the host of the party was like, I don't want any mead. I don't have any interest in drinking this. So I gladly took his free mead. Um, so I have Charm City Mead Works uh, Wildflower. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty strong mead, and not strong flavor-wise. It's I think it's 6.9%. Um, so it's not kidding around as far as alcohol content goes, but it's kind of... A lot like a champagne, um, huh. just uh, a little less fizzy. Definitely better than Cook's champagne, uh, which I've had on the show before. Um, <laughs> if you've got to choose between random mead that you're not sure about and Cook's champagne, choose the random mead. Take the chance. Um, don't drink the Cook's. As I said earlier, I'm drinking a Manhattan, and it's way better than vermouth by itself. 
I'm I'm sorry. I know we we have a listener who who tweeted at us um, last week after after I I made fun of the idea of vermouth on the rocks with a twist as a drink, and he said it's it's good if you, it is a drink if you have good vermouth, and I think this is pretty good vermouth. The the folks at Schneider's turned me on to it, and they they generally don't steer you wrong, uh, and it, it it it's not good by itself. No, it's not. I'm sorry, sir. Um, you and I will will disagree on this one. Let's 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 talk about soccer because the way I understand it is DC United now has played multiple preseason games. More than one preseason game has been played by DC United, and I'm stalling by saying that over and over in different ways because we haven't actually seen any of this. We kind of have to take uh, the internet's word for it. Because there was no streaming, Steven Streff says he was there, but he's kind of uh, he's kind of a shady guy, so you can't always trust him. He might have made it up with the pictures and stuff that he took. He's he's he's, he's, a, he's a at least criminal he's, mastermind. He's at least a well dressed shady guy and has impeccable shoe taste. He does. He's his shoe game is strong. And Jason, I know you care about shoe game, and I think you agree. Yes, it's, it's very important uh, to wear uh, good shoes, and, and he he doesn't fail in that department. My shoe game is bad. All I wear is Chucks. Are they colorful? At least uh, I usually wear black ones, but I also have green ones and red ones. Oh, that's not bad. You could do a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. That's not the worst shoe game I've ever heard. You're you're, you're not doing the like. I've given up, so I've just got these, like, bland leather shoes that can be worn with anything, but also are never, no one's ever going to be like, oh, nice shoes. That's true. I, I when I first started uh, getting my first real day job, I bought uh, uh, brown leather and black leather uh, Skechers, and I feel like those are the definition of bland Yes, leather shoes that Sorry, no Skechers. one will ever come up. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, I you. I don't wear them anymore. That. Yeah, I, I don't wear those anymore. That's good. If I need to wear a nice leather shoe, I have actual leather shoes that I wear for fancier occasions that, than my Chucks. Yeah, I my my favorite shoe is still the Samba. That is my go-to. It's a good I one. Have, I have blacks that I, I'm about to wear through the sole, and I have some red canvas ones that I've I've seen you know, those been probably. Good probably meaner too than I should have been. Uh, I've worn them in, you know, probably more inclement weather than I should have, but they're, they're fantastic shoes. Yeah. I, I had some of those uh, earlier in my life. And I also really like, uh, I had a pair of really nice, just standard black vans that I really loved until my dog uh, chewed through them. And then I no longer had a pair of black vans. That's very nineties, two thousands kind of shoe black vans. Yeah. But but they're but they're but they're nice enough that they can go with work clothes. Oh, see that those aren't the same kind of vans then. Yeah, working no, in no no no, no. they're just law the... firms and and well no not in law firms. Yeah, I can't. I yeah no. the idea of wearing something like that to work is. I work for a university, but I I wear these with uh, nice slacks and a button up shirt. Okay, and I wear my chucks with those too. Yeah. So this is supposed to be a conversation about DC United's preseason. Um, I'm not even going to get into my shoes because this this will we'll have a three hour show on our hands. No, I think maybe maybe we can have an addendum where Jason just kind of talks about his shoes. And maybe know, like that's going to be it's going to be long. <laughs> Probably not for the best. Um. 
So some stories that we have seen on Twitter or heard from, from Steven Streff or um, around the way from these two preseason games, one of which was a 60-minute uh, match against the U.S. U-17s down in Bradenton, which I think ended about 17 to nothing for D.C. United. Um, that, that's only a mild exaggeration. The other one was a one nothing or I guess one-to-one draw with the Philadelphia Union uh, over 90 minutes. So more of a, an actual kind of game, even if it was basically split squad between the two halves. Uh, the stories that we, we've we seen and heard, Jalen Robinson appears to be ahead of Kofi Opare at center back. Uh, he, he got the start with Bobby Boswell, I think in both games, uh, yep. with the first unit, which is... Uh, Jason, I, I think that's got to be a good thi- a good sign for for Jalen anyway. Uh, a good sign for him, yeah. Um, not necessarily a great sign for Opare, who um, I still think at his ceiling, playing a game tomorrow, if all players were playing at their very best, should be ahead of Robinson right now. Um, but you know, we don't live in a world where everyone plays their best all the time, um, and if Robinson can con- continue to. Uh, hold him off, I I guess. I mean, we are sort of reading in more than maybe we can because we couldn't watch these games, so we're stuck um, doing a lot of speculating. Um, But yeah, if he's holding him off, um, it adds a level of mobility uh, to United's uh, back four that isn't there when Opare is is in the lineup instead. Um, A little more comfort on the ball, which is nice. And um, it also comes with the added uh, bonus of maybe helping ease a little of the there was a lot of criticism of united's uh, lack of homegrown players uh for a while there some of it actually is has weirdly kept going even after ian harks was signed even after chris durkin was signed um and so if robinson is breaking through uh this season and becoming a more regular not just making the 18 he did that plenty last season but actually being on the field from time to time um that's a that's a positive for united and i think he also might fit this style of play a little better um in that it's it's a little faster, it's a little more high tempo. Um, he's a little better turning to scramble towards goal um, than Opare, and and because United's not sitting so deep, they're not not necessarily going to face so many crosses as they have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, you know obviously at five nine five ten, that's going to be a weakness in his game. Um, right, but if, even then, he was he was you know, winning some headers from what right, I what I saw, more, especially at the attacking end. Right, and he does he does more in that department than you would expect, but it's still um when you're talking about guys that are six one, six two and have twenty pounds on him, um, it's always going to be a difficult battle. Uh but if United's playing a style of play that doesn't allow that many crosses and and um changes the way teams attack, then he doesn't have to defend in the air so much and it kind of covers itself. So um hopefully we'll see him hopefully the situation is that he's earning this uh through merit that Opare is playing well and Robinson is just outplaying him rather than a situation where Opare's form last year, which wasn't very good has continued. That would be less than ideal. Yeah. Uh, either way, Steve Birnbaum is back in training after, uh, his national team duty came to an end after the U S is one, nothing win over Jamaica. Um, he will presumably rejoin Boswell in the first unit. One thing I'm curious to see, since Boswell has been the organizer of this team since he, he arrived back in D.C. in 2014, uh, 
one of the things I'm curious about after this, after Birnbaum's stint with the U.S., he was the one constant in the two games in this camp. He's the only player to play all 180 minutes. And presumably he was the guy, at least in the Jamaica game, who was organizing that, that back line with Walker Zimmerman next to him. It would be interesting to see him take on more of that role this year. And if that means Bobby Boswell gets... He, he gets spelled from time to time and Robinson or Opare or whoever else, Sean Franklin, if you like, um, gets a start next to Burnbaum. I think starting to transition into that future makes makes some sense, whether it's in Open Cup games or regular season games. I think it would be interesting to see. And I, I'm happy that Burnbaum got that experience with the national team. Um, I think with with Bill Hamid, with, with some other players, you've seen... Uh, good things come after they get some positive national team experience and, and they just keep the momentum going. It happened with Birnbaum last year, in fact. So that's a little thing that I'm, you know, probably glomming onto too much, but it's, it's something I am looking forward to. Uh, next. One one thing I will add is that um, I know we already talked about Steven Streff, but he has indicated at the past that at practice, um, Birnbaum is as vocal as, as Boswell if not more so. Um, so that transition may already have been something that was going on last year as well. Um, and and for Birnbaum to take that next step in his career, that's something he's going to have to incorporate in. He doesn't necessarily have to be that guy uh, to take the next step in his career, but um, it certainly doesn't hurt to uh, be as good as he is, but then also be able to organize the rest of the defense as well. Um, so maybe that's what's going on, hopefully. Um, that's what we're seeing. Um, rather than, you know, if Boswell steps away in, in a year or two, um, United's like, oh, we need to find a very specific kind of defender to partner with, with Burnbaum. It's better to have m- many more options where you can say he could be the organizer or we could find an organizer to partner with him. Um, I would assume that's the, the best case scenario that United is going to pursue whenever they, whenever they have to look for Boswell's replacement. Next story on the list, Ian Harks uh, seems to be making an impression so far in preseason. He started the second game, the one against Philadelphia with the first unit, and uh, seems to be in legitimate contention to start right out of the gate. Ben, this is obviously a good thing. Yeah, obviously. I think, I mean, he's competing for that number eight role against uh, Jared Jeffrey, Rob Vincent, Somewhat Marcelo, but I think Marcelo is much more likely to play the number six role uh, at this point. And yeah, I think given his pedigree and given the hype about him, Ian Harks definitely should be uh, competing day in and day out and challenging day in and day out with uh, Jeffrey and Vincent. They're not, I mean, they're good players, but they're not uh, world beaters. They're not MLS all-stars. They're not... uh, even MLS given daily starters that are uh, useful pieces who can do a job, but their roles are by no means uh, uh, solid. So I think Ian Harks, when they signed him, they must, they obviously told him that he would have every, every chance to unseat those people to uh, get a start on opening day. And I think at least so far, he's taking every advantage of that. Another guy seems to be doing well, Jose Guillermo Ortiz, another newcomer doing well, in fact. Uh, Two games, I think 75 minutes, and two goals for the Costa Rican national teamer, which is about what he did playing for the national team. Uh, 
in in a tournament this uh this winter Jason, it looks like he's probably going to line up as a forward for for Ben Olsen with Latou out wide, which I, I think is what you had predicted. Um, I, I know we haven't been able to watch him, but just based on what, what you know of him, uh, how big of a change does he seem to be from Mullins? Well, well, I think the major thing coming in that I've been concerned with was I've only ever seen him play as part of a two-forward setup. Um, and would he be able to step in for Mullins or not? Um, and which is why when he was signed, I, on multiple times, I think in comments on this show on Twitter, I mentioned that he might end up being more of a winger than a forward, um, in this formation. But it's turned out that, um, at least so far, uh, he's getting the job done as a forward. He, there hasn't been any, talk of him oh he needs adjustment we're, we're not going to hear criticism of players right now unless they do something really bad but we might hear some sort of quasi coded language where it's like well he's still adjusting and that's usually a code for it's not going well just yet it might get there but it's not there yet and we haven't heard anything about that um about ortiz in that department so that's a good sign the fact that he's getting goals uh, is always useful when you've come to a new club um to just get scoring right away for a forward. It's the best way to build your confidence. Even if it is against the the under-17 national team, uh, the Philadelphia goal definitely is a little more uh, a little more meaningful, I'm sure. Um, but uh, Ortiz is a feisty guy. He works really hard. Um, he's not fast, but he's not slow. Um, he's, he's got respectable speed. He's a little, I, I would say, a little faster than Mullins. Um and I think uh, if he can play back to goal well enough uh, to bring the rest of the midfield in, then uh, United maybe doesn't have to worry so much about a viable Mullins backup as they were maybe a few weeks ago. Even after the Ortiz signing, that was something that I know I was still a little apprehensive about was, um, is he able to step in uh, and replace Mullins? Because you can't just ask Mullins to play all 34 games, um, not with the schedule United has. Um and just in general, you can't really expect a player to play 34 games in a lone forward role and still have something to give you come playoff time. Um, so I think Ortiz is, at least it seems like, obviously we haven't watched these preseason games, so it's tough to say for sure, but um, the signs are pointing to someone that can actually be that backup forward. Um, and when you have a coast, a guy who's on at least the fringes of Costa Rica's national team, I don't know if we'll see if he gets called in for the qualifiers, uh, next month. Um, that, that tournament, Adam mentioned the Copa Centro Americana is, um, or was basically a B team tournament. Um, but he still, what, he had four caps and two goals, which is still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was their main striker in that tournament. Um, and, uh. You know, it's it's still a tournament where they were trying to. That, that's how you qualify for the Gold Cup in Central America, um, if I'm not mistaken. That's the the qualifying path. That's what that tournament exists for. So, um, there were still games of some. There was a consequence. They weren't just a goofing off uh, with a random January tournament. Um, and and he has been effective. I mean, we're talking about a guy whose off season features now four goals on various levels. That's not bad. Um, it'd be much, it'd be much worse if we were saying like he has not scored yet at any level. That would be maybe not ideal, but he's he's finding some things. That would be where, the uh, Leonard Pahoy era, right? Um, where where the Copa Central Americana coverage would have been about offside. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it seems like things are going pretty well. It seems like he'll be the 
first choice sub for Mullins with Kamara being the uh, the third option and and maybe Nagel figures in there as well now that there are four solid wingers in, in the squad maybe Nagel might see a couple more minutes as a forward uh, if need be anything else catch your guys eyes from uh, from this preseason so far that's that's all that's on my list uh, I mean Ben Olsen has definitely been trying Nick DeLeon as a left fullback, as we kind of expected. I mean, with the uh, way the roster is right now, Ben Olsen basically has to try Nick DeLeon as a left fullback, at least mm-hmm. at, at some times. I mean, uh, Maxime Tissot is also a candidate for that position and seems Got to be doing it. Against the Union. Exactly. Yeah. And it seems, seems like doing... the most likely trialist to, to be signed. I think only one exactly. will, and it seems like right. it'll yeah. probably be Tissot. We... We will see after, you know, the team comes back after this uh, game. We're, we're recording on Tuesday, so there's a game tomorrow. Um, it Probably the day of this podcast coming out. Probably. Um, it will we'll, be. Uh, okay, there you go. That's a, a bold guarantee. Um, but, yeah, that, you know, after that game, they come back. There's the season ticket holder event at Pinstripes. And then they will head back down. And that second leg is probably going to see other trialists show up. Um, and current trialists leave. Right. And so, you know, if Tiso is still hanging around at that point, you know, he's halfway there to winning a contract because the, there does they do need a left back. Even if De Leon turns out to be um, serviceable there like he was on the right, you still probably need, especially since he's probably going to be playing some right back, um, you need him in so many places on the depth chart that you can't just go in and say, like, well, he's also the number two at this other position. It's, he's never played. He's the number two at lots of places. Right. And he's number two in a lots of places. So if he's starting on the right, he can't also be starting on the left. Right. He's the ultimate twelfth man. He can start anywhere he Which wants, is... including everywhere at the same time. I mean, and we talked no, about this. No, that's uh, not how physics works, isn't it? No, we didn't. We didn't quite talk about this level of um, uh, Schrodinger's Dalyon. Um, <laughs> but uh, Schrodinger's Nikki. Yeah, but uh, you know, it is uh, a situation where if you've got a utility guy. Um, and he fills in so many different places, you can't then rely on him heavily at any one of them, which is bad, maybe bad for him, um, but it is an indicator that the team is very strong, um, that a player like DeLeon isn't, maybe, he might not crack the starting lineup at any of those positions. Um, but, you know, he may end up still being, even if Tiso gets signed, he may end up being the second choice left back all, you know, once all is uh, said and done. We'll see. I mean, Tiso is definitely a, a natural there rather than learning on the job. But De Leon, uh, based on what I've seen from Tiso in Montreal, De Leon is the better soccer player in a vacuum. If you're just saying which player would you rather have as your first player ever on your team, you would take De Leon and not think twice. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we could see a situation. Uh, I'm thinking of um, a few years ago when um, Christian was signed and that sort of came out of the blue. Um, mm hmm. And then and it worked until he went back to Spain. And then he wanted to go home. Um, so you never know. We might see some random guy signed out of the blue um, from Spain or Portugal or Japan or Morocco. Argentina. Um, the world is a big place and it's full of professional soccer players. And uh, the world is a big place that's full of more and more soccer leagues not able to pay their players. So making MLS and its guaranteed paychecks, even if they are in theory a little less, more and more attractive. I was going to say we're that Jason's really positive kind of unifying 
sentiment was a great way to end this first segment. But instead, I will say that (laughs) Ben cynical, uh, self-interested sentiment is also a great way to end this first segment. We will be right back with uh, Cody Bradley from Stars and Stripes FC to talk about the U.S. men's national team. So stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious... You in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster. The U.S. men's national team just wrapped up its first January camp under the second tenure of Bruce Arena with a one nothing win over Jamaica. Here to break it down with us is Cody Bradley from our sister site, Stars and Stripes FC. That's a lot of S's in there. Cody, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing, doing pretty well. Thanks for joining us tonight. What are you drinking? Well, it's Taco Tuesday, so I started out on uh, on margaritas at a Mexican place here, but uh, but I came home now. I'm, now I'm drinking a good old Kansas City staple, the uh, Boulevard Boulevard Tank Seven. Uh, Boulevard classic stuff. Yes, sir. Let's let's talk about this January camp. On the overall, how much of a success would you rate it? Oh well, how about, I mean, on a one to one to ten, it was definitely successful. I mean, I, I'll I'll put it at a you know, a non-risky like seven. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, it went well. The you know the back line was clearly a step up from what we saw with the two with two shutouts. Um, you know, and you got to take it with a grain of salt as it's just the January game. It's just MLS guys. But you know, so taking it with a grain of salt, I think I think it was as good as you could hope for. There was a lot to a lot to like from certain players. Not getting a goal against Serbia, like the you know that that kind of thing happens. I think I think we still there's still a lot to like from the group of guys that we saw here. Yeah, obviously a new coach, uh, guys coming off their off season, um, yeah. a lot a lot of them playing with the the program for the first time or the first time in a long time. Uh, what would you say was the the single best shining thing you're taking away from this camp? Well. Um... I'm just going to dive into my Kansas City bias and say that <laughs> Benny Philhaber created a uh, a number 10 for us to look at. Um, 
I really do think that he that he brought something that we haven't seen at least from from a from a creative attacking midfielder for us There's a bit of a bit of flair a bit of flash um creativity that that hasn't really that hasn't really been there and that the link up with Jordan Morris there on that goal showed that at least yeah it was it, it was reminiscent of of Clint Dempsey in in oh, yeah. his most creative moments that kind of at his peak exactly that one, two kind of thing. And he, he also does the work. So I was glad to see Phil Harbor take advantage of, of his opportunity. Um, the other, uh, a more realistic answer though. I, I would, I would say I was the uh, pleased to see the defense, put two clean sheets. We let, we let in a bunch of soft goals, a lot of head shakers under, under Klinsman. And, you know, it's good to see a crew, a crew of MLS guys put up some, some clean sheets in a row. Yeah, we're obviously big fans of Steve Birnbaum around here, so we were yes, happy sir, to see him yeah. get 180 uh, minutes. Oh yeah, I like I like me some Steve. <laughs> On the flip side, what is your the biggest disappointment you're you're finding from this camp? What's the worst thing you saw? Oh, it's got. I mean, it's got to be the got to be the finishing, the lack of goals. I mean, those are two teams that we should beat. Um, and, and there were plenty of chances there in especially in uh, in that Serbia match um but again that for me is not too terribly concerning if this had been you know these results under Jurgen after all that I might be a little worried that we're still not scoring we're still not doing much but like you said new coach everyone's in their you know everyone's in their off season I'm I'm fine with that uh, Cody, you mentioned um, the defense. Um, I know I've been calling for it for a while, and, and he finally got his look. Uh, Jorge Villafania playing at left back. Um, do you think with with the fact that left back has just been a problem for the U.S. for pretty much forever, um, do you think he might have done enough to keep himself in the frame for next month's qualifiers? Yeah, for me, I think he has. And I don't think, like you were saying, it's been a pretty weak spot, and I don't necessarily think a whole like a whole lot had to be done to show you're better than you know matt beesler <laughs> mm-hmm. uh um at that position but but yeah i i for me i wouldn't mind I, I definitely think he deserves a look here in in march and going forward um someone else i i was uh pretty pleased to see getting some time and uh getting some time in a role that maybe fits him more than it looks like the galaxy are going to do with him in the regular season. Uh, Sebastian Legette came in, played a little in the middle, played uh, against Jamaica. He played out on the left, but you know, he was coming in pretty narrow from that, that left side. Um, do you think he did enough to maybe uh, put himself, maybe maybe not right away, but with Jermaine Jones suspended uh, against Honduras or, or do you have somebody else in mind taking that, uh, that spot over for that game? I've always I've always been big on on legit. I think I liked what he did. I think um he had some pretty damn good service into into the box and with without the, you know, rusty finishing that I think we had, he, he could have had a couple of assists. Um I do I do like him. I I think uh, yeah, to answer your question, yes. I sure. I would I would be fine with with him uh with him going forward. I'm I I don't dislike Jermaine Jones, but I'm I'm on the boat of, you know, let's let's move forward here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, move move away from a guy that maybe right. 
is only going to be able to capable capable of playing like half a season. Exactly. Um, I guess the other the other player that comes to mind for me that did a lot of things right, but maybe uh, couldn't quite put it all together in the in the final third was Darlington Nagby, who um, looked very bright against Serbia, got a lot of praise, but also missed. I think the two best chances, if I'm not mistaken, um, right. and has always been, that's kind of been the book on Nagby uh, other than the one year where he scored nine goals. It's always been, well, he does this well, he does that well, he does all of these things really well. But then in the end, at the end, you've only got a handful of goals and a handful of assists for an entire season. Um, do you think that carried over a little bit or was he just maybe just a little bad luck on the day? Yeah, man, I, I was, I was face palming as hard as anybody on uh, on on those exact two chances that you were talking about. I'm, I'm big on Nagby. I I have like I I want him to be the guy. I wish he was there already. You know that kind of thing. Um, and so I do I do think there was. I know it's kind of a cop out to just say, oh, he had some bad luck, and at some point you got to be you got to be critical. But it is off season, like we like we've said. Uh, I think I think he he showed it's there at least that he deserves to keep getting looks and in March and and definitely at least for the gold cup. Um, So yeah, I I like, I I still like him going forward. I was, but I was (laughs) as frustrated and as loud as anyone on, on a couple of those misses. So with the fullbacks and especially with the uh, Graham Zuzi experiment, especially the full uh, in the first game, it looked like they didn't have enough, uh, space on the field to go forward. Uh, do you think that the experiment failed because there wasn't enough space for them to bomb forward? Or do you think the experiment failed because uh, Graham Zuzzi's not a fullback in any way, shape, or form whatsoever? Yeah, that's... I don't... It It is tough. I, I see the... I can at least see the logic in arena in, in trying him there and Vermees as well. I've looked down from the press box in Kansas city and all of a sudden been like, guys, Graham Zeus, he's playing, playing fullback right now. And it, it does kind of blow people's mind. I, I, I can kind of get the logic he's going for, but, um, but yeah, he, that's, that's not where, where Graham should be. And I don't know, you know, and, and it was even kind of confusing me. You saw, you saw them talking, about him, uh, about how it is going well, how the the Graham Zusi experiment has been going well, and, the, and that Arena liked him there, and that's that's you know it's good to good for Graham, I suppose, but yeah, that that is definitely a, a problem going forward on 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 that side of it. We'll we'll see where we we'll see if he if he gets another look there. And then I guess my other question is about uh, the forwards and. Uh... Were you as surprised as I was in the second game that uh, Bruce Arena decided not to start Josie Altidore to see how uh, any of the players that he, any of the MLS players he called in could interchange with Josie? I mean, we all assume that uh, Bobby Wood might, would probably pair Josie in a two-striker formation with everyone available, but uh, were you as surprised as I was that Bruce yes. didn't try anybody else with Josie in the second game. Yeah, um, I definitely was because you have to think. I mean, I know, I know this camp is about getting looks, and you're not necessarily concerned with with the result. But yeah, like you said, you got to think you you're, you you want to get as many looks as you can with with people around Josie. 
Now, I know that that first game obviously was not what he was looking for from his front man. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like I just said, it's your, this is January camp and you want to get as many looks as you can. So I was definitely very confused to see that. I would have liked to have seen it and, um, uh, wasn't all that happy, obviously with, uh, with Juan Agodelo. He only, you know, supplied maybe there was, I think he had one moment that, that got your hopes up a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, uh, if if you know if this was a situation where he wanted to win and he was upset with with Josie's performance from the first one, you know I'd get that. But yeah, I, I definitely wanted to see how you know any other options we have because I Josie should be out there and I want him out there still. Um, so yes, it would. I think we should be experimenting with as many guys as we can to find find that little bit of magic or that rapport. Yeah, I think that the game in Chattanooga was definitely about experimenting just maybe a little further afield than a lot of us. And I know other, other people who who talk about the game on websites right. and podcasts were necessarily comfortable with, you know, Michael Bradley didn't start that game. Josie Altador didn't start that game. Uh, so, so there are some people, you know, will be on the field uh, against Honduras and against Panama uh, who weren't out there. And, you know, even though they were on the bench for it. So yeah. It, one thing I said, after, after, sorry, sorry. After, after a regime change like that, you know, you do want to see them coming together and working together like that. you know, just like you were saying it, it is, it is very odd. Right. I, I understand where he was, what he was doing, especially on, you know, semi short rest. Um, with players who are, who are still in their preseason. I understand not pushing them, so hard and, and making them go 180 minutes back to back like that. But, but at the same time, you do want to see Josie out there. You want to see Bradley out there. You want to, I understand sending Jermaine Jones home and, and, you know, question had a, a, a human side story uh, reason to go home, but there's still some things you, you want to see out there. Yeah. All that being said, Cody, do you feel better or worse about the March qualifiers than you did before the January camp. Oh, I definitely I definitely feel better. Um they would have had to have like really blown these two games for me to not feel better. <laughs> uh <laughs> I I do think the player mentality, the player's mentality is is way better with um after this after this coaching change. Um the I, I think Bruce, you know, Bruce obviously knows what it means to get through CONCACAF, how to play all these teams. I, the, the zero zero and a bunch of MLS players in their off season against Serbia. I'm, I'm not too worried about that. And Hey, we couldn't be German or we couldn't be Jamaica. However, many months ago there for third place. So, and got them here in or at our place in the, the last gold cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for third place, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not still bitter about that. By the way, yeah, yeah, not, at, not all. at all, not, e- not even a lot, right? No. Um, so what, what players who were in this camp who weren't starters? We know Bradley and and, and Altidore will, will almost certainly be in the eleven against Honduras. What other players from this camp do you think uh, made a case for themselves so strongly that? that Bruce arena will put them under the team sheet. How about, um, man, I don't, it might be a little optimistic, but, but I really, I mean, Walker Zimmerman did a lot for himself. 
um, at the camp. Um, I don't know that it'll, you know, it means that he has got himself into the lineup. You know, he's still, he's still kind of raw as MLS, but, um, I really liked like his, you know, he put in the full, the full shift there against Jamaica and, and had a shutout. And I think he did quite a bit for himself and, you know, Jordan Morris, you know, he, uh, he showed some rapport there with Fellhaber. Showed that, you know, got a goal when, I mean, hell, Josie couldn't get a goal. I don't, you know, it's, I know it's his job to do it and you shouldn't pat him on the back too much, but yeah, I mean, young guy, he got a goal. He saw the ball go in the net. Uh, I, th- I think he, I think he did quite a bit for himself and, and earned himself some more looks here going forward when the rest of the international guys come in. One spot I think is going to be interesting is, is goalkeeper going into those, those March yes. qualifiers. Um, Brad Guzan hasn't played in, you know, a million years. Bill Hamid seemed to be next up and he, he got hurt. He, he, he should be back by March. And so we'll see, uh, Nick Romando and Luis Robles got the starts in, in this camp. Mm-hmm. Do you think either of them who neither of them has ever started a qualifier? Will yeah. one of them start against Honduras and or Panama? Oof, it's, it it seems like I've been saying the same thing about Nick Armando for the last like five years now about, well, you know, we, sh- I feel like we should be able to move on or, you know, it's time for another, another, uh, you know, number three there to, to make his way up the line. I, I mean, it's, it's Bruce. They've got, he's got the history there. He knows that he knows that Romando is not going to, make stupid mistakes um he's not maybe not going to be the as good as he could possibly get from somebody but yeah i mean i think he i think arena is going to feel okay putting Romando in there and and i could i could definitely see that happening all right guys anything else for cody all right hearing hearing nothing cody thanks for coming on the show why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online uh yeah, thanks for having me guys. Anytime. Um Twitter is uh, I'm just at that Cody though. And uh, I write for uh, the Blue Testament here in KC and uh Stars and Stripes FC, both uh, SB Nation sites. So yeah, find me on the Twitter spheres. Alright, we will be right back with uh a Twitter box segment for you. So stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United Podcast. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It's time to open the Twitter box. um, Where we read your emails and tweets. Why would it it make a noise like that? Why wouldn't it? I think that's a fair point. It's a box. But it's a Twitter box. That that does not make this make a noise. This this noise has no link to the box. Jason, pew, 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 pew. Our first question comes from a longtime listener and commenter on the website, Filmy Girl, who is at Filmy Girl. On Twitter, she asks us, at FilibusterDCU, Settlers of Catan, when will we get the live stream mm-hmm. of those games? I think that's a fair question. We don't get DC United preseason live streams. We should. We should also get board game, tabletop game but live streams. It has slowly expanded out. It was the, like... Jared Jeffrey, Davey Arnaud, Connor Doyle were playing it for a while, and that was it seemed to be a solid small group. 
Uh, but this year I've noticed uh, Lloyd Sam is playing uh, Settlers. Catan, I mean, I know from uh, Pitch Pass a few uh, years ago, it's not just DC United's locker room. This is like yes. the game of choice in MLS locker rooms, and it has right. been for years. Settlers of Catan is really great, everyone. You should play it. It is. There are but also lots of other really great tabletop games that you should play. Um, I think we should totally... Ticket to, ri- Ticket to Ride is one of those. Ticket to Ride. Betrayal at House on the Hill is really imbalanced, but also super fun. Uh, Isle of there's Sky some, is fantastic. There's some good zombie ones. Yeah. Um, there, there are lots of good tabletop games, and they should play more of them and stream them in MLS locker rooms. I think we are all in agreement on that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, well, I do we have to stream ask, us playing tabletop um, games? Well, this is where this kind of loops into what I was about to say, which is, um, are these games that can be played to an extent that you might alienate the people you're playing against? Um, oh, yes. Oh, most definitely. Okay. Uh, so it, it just comes down to, like, if you take it too seriously, things will go oh, yes. badly. Okay. Why didn't you trade me your sheep? Why didn't you trade me no. your fucking sheep? No, the best no, thing. Goddamn sheep. The best thing I've ever done. In Settlers of Catan, oh, is with okay, a monopoly okay. card. There's a card that lets you claim every card of a resource. I'm glad I, you clarified this as in Settlers Catan, not yes. just the best thing I've ever done. Period. Yes, in the game is I've I've you know act, acted like I was proposing a trade. Does anybody proposing have any, to your wife. any wheat? I need wheat. Does anybody have any? A couple people said, "Yeah, I do." I said, "Okay, I'll take it all," and I played the monopoly card and took it from them. And, and I, I lost. I lost some friends that day. <laughs> I'm not ashamed but, to say. I, I definitely, over a game of Monopoly, because I, I asked specifically if within the house rules if something was uh, disallowed, and the, what I was doing was I was trading the last bottle of whatever kind of beer we only had one bottle left of uh, for a property that would clearly screw over one person and one person only, and it wasn't disallowed, and so everyone agreed that the trade wasn't specifically forbidden, so it must be allowed. Um, and so... This uh, completely infuriated my friend Kevin. He he left. He abandoned the game uh, and went off by himself for a while. And I felt absolutely no guilt whatsoever. If you like complex monopoly rules, you will definitely like Settlers of Catan. Yes. All right. Moving on. Next question comes from Don, who is at SMC Ultra on Twitter. He asks us at filibuster DCU over or under ten league starts for Durkin this year. Ooh. Under, I, I wish it were over, but I'm. I think it's going to be under. Yeah, I think if it's over, something has gone really right or really wrong. Um, so I think it'll which be is it though? under which ten is, which, which starts. Is it though? It, it, really it right, really wrong. It could. Be I don't the, care. No, make a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. No, I'm saying my my take is it will be because Marcelo gets horribly injured or Durkin is over so overperforming that he unseats Marcelo from that number six spot. Uh, or something has gone really, really insanely wrong at center back, and he has to start there a bunch. No, uh, oh, no, no. That would be, you know, I would rather Sean Franklin there. start at center back than Chris Durkin. Yeah. So I think I think he will get. I, I'm taking the under, uh, but I, I think there's a chance that if he overperforms so strongly uh, that he forces the issue, it it could come close. Jason. Uh, I'm going to go under. Um, I don't think... Um, I, I think Marcelo is going to be fine to play at least 25 games, um, which therefore leaves a very, very tiny margin. Uh, and we've also got Rob Vincent to account for. Um, there's the possibility of Ian Harks being used there, even though we haven't seen that yet. Um, it's still been uh, discussed by Olsen and other people at the club. So... Um, 
I think it's going to be under. I think my goal, personally, what I want to see from Durkin is just, is he getting into league games from time to time? Um, if he gets 10 appearances, I would be happy. Not 10 starts, but 10 appearances would be pretty nice. Um, yeah. And, and the, you know, the object, we have to remember, we're talking about a guy who hasn't turned 17 yet. Um, he turns 17 tomorrow, which is the same day as okay, my so wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. And Christy. Yes. And Christy. And anyone else. And but I mean, less so. Less so. Born uh, on February 8th. Like, we'll take those two, like the first two go with like a higher tier. The, the rest <laughs> of you get like a, a lesser happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. But still a happy birthday. Yeah. It's not It's not like snide or mean. It's, it's just lesser. All right. Next question from... Uh, Black and Red United's own Ryan Kiefer. What is the best or your most preferred drink with sweet vermouth? I will tell you it is not sweet vermouth <laughs> on the rocks with a twist or anything it's else. It's called the Andy McDowell. The you Andy McDowell this. is not my not my preferred or the best drink. Adam. Adam. I would say It's a Manhattan. It is a Manhattan. It's clearly a Manhattan. I can't think of a better answer than a Manhattan. Nothing springing Manhattan. to mind is like that's definitely even even like a contender to be better, nothing's springing to mind. Yeah, Manhattans are the reason sweet vermouth is still a thing. Uh, next question uh, is is specifically for Ben. It's from uh, Vamos wow. United at Vamos DCU on Twitter. Why is your cat reading a book about dogs? Why is the podcat reading about dogs? Well, it's not the podcat. It's the tiny podcat because the, the, the fat podcat is over somewhere else not associating with me. So... The tiny version is sitting next to me, and she's the one who intimidates both the giant podcat and our 45-pound dog. Like, she is the alpha cat of this house and intimidates anybody. But, uh, yeah, we, we have a book about dogs. She's sitting on it. She's showing, showing her dominance not only to uh, human and uh, non-human alive critters, but also to books and uh, paper-based objects. So, the concept of dogs? Yeah. She's just showing her dominance in all facets to uh, both uh, representations of dogs, real dogs. Uh, yeah. M- Metomony is not a thing for her. She just dominates everything. Final question. I think it's the final question anyway. Uh, comes from uh, Shane, who is at Enkimion on Twitter. He asks that at filibuster DCU talk about the ridiculously good odds for DC United winning MLS cup 20 to one. I will say those aren't ridiculously good odds with 22 teams in the I league. Think, I think what he means is they're favorable odds as they far are. as betting. It's, it's, yeah, better bet. than, it's better than random. Oh, and I mean, DC United should be higher than that. I mean, they're yes. a better team than 20 to one, but that's, which I mean, is what he's getting to. But, but we all know that betting odds don't get made based on who is well, yeah. the most likely to win. Right. Um, I mean, so, I mean, Galaxy will be like six to one, regardless of the fact they're Curtin Alfo's Galaxy. Yeah. Right. I'm and that's trying why to look good. at the odds right now, and all of them are um, European style odds givings, where it's not oh. 20 well, to like, one or whatever. It's, it's the like LA Galaxy are plus 600. Yeah, the I don't know what that means. Plus 600. DC United are plus 2,000. So I guess that's it's basically the same thing. The the galaxy yeah, it, are six it, to one. Stacey United are twenty right. to one. It's susceptible to who people would bet on, and and you know the narrative about DC United is still from three years ago. So. Yeah, well, it's would, not just the narrative. Imagine. It's just that they're I would, not. I would, 
there's no name player that draws people's attention to DC United the way that Giovanni Dos Santos brings in people to the galaxy or, you know, the Red Bulls just get attention because they're in New York. NYCFC, I'm sure, has uh, lower odds than DC just because David Villa and Andrea Pirlo are there. It wouldn't matter if the rest of their team was literally the staff of Hudson River Blue. Um, yeah, they are. They are. The, um, we like those guys, but I don't players. assume that they could step in and be the other nine players for NYCFC and have it, that be a good team in MLS. Yeah, Sorry, I think guys. I think our our buddy Raf would. I, I would give him oh, odds great. on Jeopardy, where he's competed, <laughs> yes, but I don't know if is, I would give him odds on. Yeah, that, on MLS they Cup. would be they would be good at a lot of things as a, as a squad, but I don't know that they would necessarily be ready to step in as the rest of uh, an MLS lineup. Just I will yet. say these the odds I'm looking at are I think originate with Bovada, an online uh, bookkeeper. Uh, oh, yeah, they're most they're most ridiculous um, odd odds, and I can't imagine why they're so high. Uh, are are the Vancouver Whitecaps at sixteen to one, and the Portland Timbers at twenty to one, same as DC United. Those two, and even Real Salt Lake at fourteen to one, seem like the the most ridiculously overstated odds FC Dallas at 12 to one is a value buy. If ever I've seen one. Um, and, and DC kind of falls into that category too. Exactly. Um, maybe not as does. likely, maybe not as likely as FC Dallas to win it all, but um, definitely yeah, more favorable than those odds led on, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I, they are definitely, I think they're in the, and this is just the, I guess, the vagaries of of bookkeeping. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve teams. One, two, three, four, five, even... six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Thank you, Sesame Street. You're welcome. Uh, DC United is is right at the middle of the table for their odds to win. Um, so I don't know if you can call them ridiculously good. It's also kind of weird that that more than half the teams have a better than random chance of of winning considering some of them are are 6 to 1 which just means they'll win yeah online bookmaking is weird man cuz you're trying to you're you're also, not saying don't do it don't don't do it please don't do it <laughs> don't bet on them bet at Ben's happy bookkeeping service no, in Richmond Virginia no don't bet at all I mean, yes. Bet, bet on, bet for me, and then I will take all your money, and you will be destitute. <laughs> but it will support filibuster. There you go. I, I will say, if you want to bet, bet <laughs> it sounds like it would just ben, support you. you should ben. Bet with Ben because he's just pledged any proceeds to support this podcast, which is good. I have, I have pledged that some part of the proceeds, aka one dollar, will support this podcast. Don't bet with Ben, guys. <laughs> it's not worth it. Don't do I, it. You really shouldn't. Don't bet with me. Uh, I remembered that we do have one email in in the. It's weird calling it a Twitter box when there's email, but we're gonna own That's it. That's the whole point about Twitter box. The box part is inbox. Thank you for explaining that, Ben. <laughs> well, you seemed like you didn't understand. I I think I'm the one that coined the phrase Twitter box. Okay. Anyway, uh, we have Kenny, who uh, is a commenter on the site. He emailed us. He lives in Asheville, North Carolina. He is going to uh, DC United's game in Atlanta 
this year, and he's curious how he can hook up with DC United fans. He doesn't necessarily want to sit with the supporters at the game, but he he does want to meet up with uh, with the fans down there when they go. And I'm sure there will be a road trip. In fact, I, I think the Screaming Eagles have already started organizing yeah. theirs and started selling yeah. tickets. If if you do want to sit with them at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. No, or it'll be called. at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Oh, it'll be at Bobby Dodd. That's right. Yeah. Um, which I, I've already looked into the fact that, I mean, the, the cost of a flight at this point in time is like $140 uh, out of BWI. Um, I think out of national, it was like 175 or something like that. It's not expensive. That's um, pretty reasonable to get yeah. down there. Um, so I feel like a lot of people are going to want to make that trip because it's going to, it's not going to get more expensive because you're talking about, um, Atlanta being a hub for so many airlines. It's always easy to get down there. Um, especially flying midweek. I mean, that game is on a Wednesday. Um, so, uh, that might discourage some travelers, but if you were going to go to Atlanta, um, you probably, it's probably the only chance you'll ever get to see DC United play at at Bobby Dodd stadium. If that means something to you. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I I mean the, the main way to find other supporters is, um, talk to the supporters clubs themselves, find out where they're setting up in the parking lot. Um, the Eagles are notoriously organized when it comes to that, and it's very easy to find out where they're going to be. Um, they don't show up not knowing where they're going to be stuck in the parking lot. They they know what they're getting into, and um, that's – generally speaking, that's where they all set up. So that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I would reach out to the supporters groups on Twitter. They're all really accessible there, and they are the ones – even if you don't want to sit with – the formal supporters groups in the stadium. That's where DC United fans will be gathering before the game is in the the clump of United supporters. So I would reach out to the Screaming Eagles and Bar Brava and District Ultras on Twitter. Um, Screaming Eagles road trips is is Jimmy Butler, the guy who organizes all of the road trips for them. Um, reach out to them on Twitter and a- ask them what the plan is for for tailgating and. Or, or a night before party, if there's going to be one down in Atlanta, which there might be because people have to fly in. So that, that would be my advice on that. And that's it for the Twitter box this week. And that's it. That's it for our show for that matter. No more laser noises coming from Virginia. Uh, you're welcome, America. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Uh, Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. As I just proved, we actually do check that inbox, even if we're pretty slow about responding sometimes. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Mostly, though, tell a friend about us. That's the best way to to spread the word. Tell, Tell lots of friends about us. Yeah, tell lots of friends, but start by telling one. You know, the journey of many conversions starts with a single something or other. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. I hate you. Pew, pew, pew. Miami Beach. Uh-huh.